Well, hello again. Graham Norton here. We've got some great stuff for you here on the Graham Norton Bridge Rose podcast today. Jade Adams pops in to tell me all about the new season of Ruby Speaking. And there's a new season of Waterloo Road. And there's a new season of Waterloo Road. And Angela Griffin tells me all about it. Show chef Martha has noodles. But first, Maria McCurlin is solving another set of your dilemmas in Graham's Guide. <gasps> here she is now. I'm here in front of you. You are in a lovely jumper. Thank you very much. I, think it's... I nearly said Gansey. A Gansey, what's that? Well, it's Irish for jumper. Because I've been oh, in Ireland, you see. I know, you've been publicising your show. What's it called? Lolly Lol. It's called uh, Last One Laughing Ireland. Last One Laughing Ireland. Yeah. And where can we watch it? I don't think I've got the medium ne- needed. Uh, it's on Prime. OK, Amazon Prime. <gasps> We're not allowed to say that. What? It's Prime, okay, Maria. OK, all right. Prime. All right. Have you not read your talking I'm s- points? No, I'm slightly annoyed. <laughs> I haven't read my talking points. I'm slightly annoyed that you've got two shows out. Um, three. Three? What's the third one? I've got chat show. Chat show, yeah, of course, but new ones. You've and then, got and then my little, the and then my old arm is very tired from the wheel. Yeah, and uh, and then I'm sitting on a sofa yeah. watching comedians be yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. So you've one. got a lot, and I've got zero. However, good news. Oh yes. <laughs> trying to compete with you. Yeah. Is that my book Bumps in the Road? Yeah, yeah, Is yeah. now out on Kindle. Kindle, you say? Kindle, I say. And also... The WhatsApp generation who now listen will be loving that. And also, at the beginning of February, audiobook by my own very, very own self. I had to put it back because I was too poorly over the Christmas holidays. I had no voice. I sounded like Vanilla Fielding, and that is not the sound I was going for. Uh, So now I sound like a younger Vanilla Fielding. Nice. And it took me 20 hours to record. How long is it actually... What? How long is the book? Yeah. About 80,000 words? No, no. I mean, if you listen to it, how long is it? Oh, I see. Uh, I don't know. I've well, no it's idea. Not, it's not 20 hours. No, of course it's not. But that's me messing up all the time, isn't it? They should really put a reel together. That's Yoddy at Yaya Studios. Marvellous, Yoddy and Jessica. <laughs> um, a reel together of me doing the swears every time I say a thing wrong. Because, you know, when you've been reading, reading, reading out loud for a long time and it's your own words, you just... Words become meaningless. It's because... It, it's so weird. And also, it is that weird thing that you can be reading for a long time and then you realise I haven't listened to anything I've said <laughs> that I could have been saying anything isn't that weird and yeah. you're trying to sort of imbue things with life and then at the end of the day after actually it was a bit less than that to be fair to me and them it was a bit less than that I'm just doing it for dramatic effect yeah. but it was hard if I'd have been doing someone else's book I think it would be easier doing like yours well you'd be more interested because you <laughs> well, because no because you wouldn't know what was coming next yeah and also as I was reading bits I was thinking that makes no sense at all <laughs> you've used that word twice in three sentences what are you thinking where was the editor I because I on the because I, I I sometimes do a book club on on a podcasty thing. Another I, job. I know. And then I talk to people about this. I, yes. I talk to favourite yes. voices. Yes. And some people, Maria. So this is old for you. This combo. Yeah. Well, no, no. Some people. It, some people do lots of prep. They like they sit at home reading the book aloud like several times and putting post-it notes and for oh my God. the different voices, the different characters. And I'm just like listening to them, going, wow. <laughs> 
like you've got too much time on your hands yeah because i think to read it once is enough yeah i mean i was going to read it from my book but then they suggest from the actual book itself but turny pages they suggested a kindle which we did yes, but then on a kindle you don't know how much is left on that chapter well that's probably just as well <laughs> why do you speed up you get a bit faster if you know no, my producer jessica kept saying you're speeding up you're speeding up so speeding up oh sorry <laughs> well you're really selling it it sounds great no it's out it's out and be beginning of february hey. um is laugh out loud to make don't make me laugh mm, funny do you know what it is because we had a premiere in uh in ireland in yes. which is why i wasn't yes. here so uh, we had a premiere in dublin which you always got to think of premiere for a television show really and they're half hours so they showed two of them you know to make it worth their while yeah and uh and you know it's a bit nerve-wracking because you're kind of like oh we're sitting we're going to play a television program in front of an audience this is you know a bit hot making yeah Big laughs, huge laughs. Well, there yeah, you are. People loved it. Um, well, and actually, they have done the really. Audience. They've edited it together really, really well. And, the, and there's some great Irish comics in it. I mean, there's ones you'll know, like Ashley B and Jason Byrne and people. Yeah. But then there's ones you won't know. And really, really funny. Who some wins? of them. Um, well, now. <laughs> you can't tell me that. <laughs> no, obviously. I mustn't tell you. I, I've read my talking points. Do not reveal the winner. Yeah. yeah. We're allowed to say that Jed would make it a special appearance. <laughs> well, that that is worth <laughs> tuning in for, frankly. Well, it's a television program made read in read Ireland. I read a review of you which said. Graham Norton, his usual sarcastic self. That'll do. Yeah, I thought that was a good thing. Yeah. The, uh, anyway, you uh, need sarcasm yeah. with comics because yeah. they take themselves very seriously. Virgin Radio. Oh, Maria, who knows a little bit more gossip than she did ten minutes ago. <laughs> anyway, regardless of that, I am going to read you the first problem. Dear Graham and Maria. I have a dilemma and I don't know which way to turn. My father-in-law is 80. He lives next door. My wife and I both work full-time in demanding jobs. My problem is that in our quality time after work, when we are cooking food, etc., he'll come round nearly every single day, including Sundays, for the last 10 years. By the time he goes, our quality time is over. My wife and I have argued so much over this issue. The problem is that my wife has three other sisters who are quite content to do nothing, especially on Sundays. They can have their Sundays as a family, but my wife and I cannot, as my father-in-law is always there. If my wife was a single daughter, there'd be no issue. But my father-in-law does have three other options, which he chooses not to utilise and takes the easy option to the detriment of my wife and I and potentially my marriage. Am I being unreasonable? And that is from Freddie in Cheshire. Oh, Freddie in Cheshire. Mm, I don't think you are being unreasonable, but I think it's clearly something that you're, you've got yourself in a total lather about. I mean, you've got to laugh, really, Freddie. Who, what came first, you living there or your father-in-law living next door? Because, you know, there's an immediate problem that your solicitor should have unraveled when you bought the house. Oh, by the way, did you know your father-in-law lives next door? I mean, did he move in for this particular... The problem is, Freddie, in Cheshire is that you can't do anything. It has to be your wife that does something to say, I mean, you, Freddie, she might not want to spend the quality time with you that you're thinking of because she would have said something. She's got three sisters. She has got to say, guys, can we have a rotor on this? Because it's just getting tiring and Freddie is tearing his hair out and we can't keep doing this with Dad. Of course he takes the easy option. It's next door. Why would he travel or why would someone come to pick him up? But 
you're not being unreasonable, but you can't do anything about it. It has to be your wife. And that's why you're arguing, because she, clearly, Freddie, she's just going, oh, he'll be dead soon. Yeah. Come well, on. He, uh, well, well, he won't. For one, because he's eighty, and he's being and he's being fed three and, meals and he's, a day. He's being fed. I'm really. I'm just wanted to say to the dad, cop yourself on. Like, how can he think? How can he think that they want him in there every single, like seven nights a week? But it's become a habit because it's been ten years. I know that, years. that is the trouble. A lot of what we're saying yeah, yeah. is kind of irrelevant because you've let the situation go on for ten years, so there's no changing it now. But I'm just saying, in the fullness of time, there was a seventy-year-old man who thought, "I know, I'm going to sit in there with my daughter and son-in-law every night of the week." What was going on in his head? What's wrong with your telly? Is it broken? You know, just... Oh, company, obviously. But companies... And, and food. But, but companies some nights of the week, not seven nights a week. So you're saying it's the father-in-law that well, should... Well, kind of, uh, some, I mean... Send an anonymous letter. I think, Freddie, move. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the only option, I would move. Yeah. But, you know, you're right, Graham. It has been ten years. So it's like to address this now... It's impossible. It's, it's, like, it's, it's, like so feeding a stray, it's like feeding a stray dog. You can't stop. Because so you've let the situation go on, so you've got to kind of keep going. Uh, so where's our solution? We're we're just sort of really reiterating what Freddie is saying. I mean, what is the solution? Do you think it is with the wife? Is it? Can Freddie have a word with the father-in-law secretly? I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't do that. No. But I think maybe. Neither would I. But it it it's little things, isn't it? It's just trying to break the habit. So go out more. Yeah, Freddie. you you and your wife need to go out more. Uh, They're you, tired after their demanding you and jobs. Your wife, I know, but, but if they want quality time without father-in-law, start going out, and then he might get the message. And they'll find him in the back seat of the car, won't they? When they <laughs> when they go out to the restaurant, I, I, I wouldn't a, go this way. <laughs> I have a secret regard for the father-in-law for being so sort Just of in the back like, seat going, I'm hungry, being so blinkered. I preferred it at home. It was warmer than the car. I mean, for just utterly being so bullheaded about what, this. What we are saying here is, Freddie, you are absolutely not being unreasonable. That's I think that's our bottom line yeah. is that the four, you are not at fault here, except that you've let it go on for 10 years. But yeah. somebody now needs to... Not You can't go cold turkey on this. No. And also, you do, as Maria says, you know, you do live next door to this man. This You allowed that to happen. Either you moved in or you let him move in. Mm-hmm. Um but yes, the, the other sister should take up some slack. I think maybe your sister, your wife could have a word with her sisters and say, look, can you take him? Like, if, if they each took him yeah. one weekend... Um, in four. Uh, one weekend in four. four. So I mean, then, then, he's, then basically you, you would have three weekends free yeah. every month. And also start doing the thing where you are going out. We're going to the theatre, we're going to the cinema, we're going to sit in the car and stare at a wall, whatever, so that you can say, do you mind cooking for Dad on Wednesday? Would you cook for Dad on Thursday? You've got to start implementing this. And it seems to me, Freddie, that your wife is resistant to this. Yeah, and I wonder why. So I'd say move and divorce. <laughs> No, I wouldn't, Freddie. I'm sorry for I'm sorry for your situation, but it feels like it's so hard ten years down the line. Yes, and also I feel like, and I'm I'm reading between the lines that Freddie's wife has a touch of the martyr about her. 
Oh, are you reading between the lines? Well, because there's a bit of that, isn't there? Because, like, what? what? You can't ask your sisters to help. So it's it's like, you know, she wants to be there at Christmas going, well, of course, we do do everything for Dad. We can't do that for Dad, dad because yeah. of Dad, yeah. Yeah, Dad. And yeah. also, did she say, let's move in next to Dad? The, tr- the house is cheap, you know, because there's an old man living next door. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's sitting in the kitchen. <laughs> and the kitchen has an island and an old man. <laughs> I'd buy it, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, t- is the old man... <laughs> Dare responses, part one. And my favourite responders today will be getting... <gasps> sit back. A waitrose, number one. Steak and red wine pie. Oh, yeah. All but a short crust pastry case with cooked beef, red wine and smoked bacon lardons topped with an all-butter puff pastry. <sighs> That's what you're getting. Uh, Mandy in Haven't has what's tapped in. What's apt in? Uh, Freddie should look for local clubs for people of his father-in-law's age that needs to sit down with the father-in-law and throw into conversation that there are some interesting clubs around that he might like to join and he and his wife can get their quality time. Sometimes people are in a rut. They forget that other things are going on outside of their bubble and that is very true. And that's the trouble is, this is now, it's, it's a d- deep-grained rotten habit. Like, every night he's in there for ten years. I feel we have a solution for Freddie. <gasps> Sassin Barnsley. Okay, great. I'm so glad. I understand his concern as he needs time alone with his wife. His wife needs to be there for her dad, and the dad might be lonely. We would suggest the kindest option is to look for local groups where the father-in-law can join so that he can make new friends and enjoy being part of a group. This would give you two alone time and the dad will be happy too when you can all see each other without resentment. It's trying to get him out to those clubs because, you know, if this was a man who was interested in anything, you know, this started 10 years ago. He was only 70 years old. That isn't old. So, you know... If he had interests or anything, he'd have been doing it then. So uh, it's going to be a tough ask to try and find some things for this man to be doing. Uh, Charmaine's in France. Oh, yes. She's WhatsApp. And uh, she's told us, uh, cook some meals and freeze them so he doesn't have to eat around or eat around all the time. Also, you could go to his for a drink every now and then. Then at least you can leave when you want. Oh, no, that is now. Now, Charmaine has stumbled onto something marvellous. If you go to his house, you can leave. That is really good. You've cracked it, Charmaine. I mean, I know it's small fry. You haven't really... You know, the overall problem's still there. And look, it is. That's It's just going to go on. But that is a really good idea because then you are at least in control and then you can get home and have your quality time. Hello. Uh, also, uh, um, but in all honesty, you need to tell him straight that you want to be with your wife and have some alone time together. You love him, but I'm sure he will get the hint. I mean, I'm not so sure, Charmaine. <laughs> like, he could have figured this out a long time ago. Freddie, on the quiet, introduce your father-in-law to a suitable dating site. Maybe a new companion will keep him at bay. Or, worst case, you'll have two for dinner. <laughs> I'll bring, yeah, now, now he's bringing a date. Great. That's from Dave in Gloucester. Um, I'm sure we can send we can, we can send a pie to France, can't we? Yeah, Charmaine in France is getting the waitress number one steak and red wine pie. There you go. That's all happening for you. Graham's guide. Here's the second problem. Dear Graham and Maria, 
I have been working in the same pub since I was in my late teens and have risen through the ranks, through pot wash, bar staff, and now I'm a bar supervisor. I'm in my late 20s and feel like part of the furniture in a good way, exclamation mark. I love all our customers. I look forward to coming to work. And although I've moved out of my parents' house, I still only live a short drive away. Our manager, who's been there since I started, recently announced that he was leaving to work in area management for another company, leaving his job open. I immediately expressed my interest to him and said I'd love to apply. He laughed, but when he realised I was serious, he gave me this sort of pitying look and patted me on the shoulder, saying it was beyond my experience and that I was better suited to staying behind the bar as a supervisor, chatting with the locals and pouring pints. I was absolutely gutted at the time, but now I feel totally patronised. As the youngest, longest-serving member of staff currently on the team, I think I'd adapt very quickly and would be more than willing to put in the training to enhance my knowledge of the operations. Over the past five years, I've essentially managed a team of staff and their rotors, processed stock takes and taken on extra admin when he's been away, only ever receiving positive feedback. Why is it only now that I'm being told I'm not good enough? I can't see him responding to anyone else on the team in this way. I'd be gutted to leave, but I don't know if I can stay if one of my fellow team members leapfrogs over me into the manager role. And that's from Emma in Manchester. Oh, Emma in Manchester, I am fuming on your behalf. You're right. It's incredibly patronising and I lived every moment of that. He laughed and then pitying look and then patting on the shoulder beyond your experience stay chatting with the locals I mean that is are we talking a case of everyday sexism here Emma from Manchester because it sounds very much like that to me I would like to know what your relationship has been like up to this point I mean yes of course this is affecting your confidence it affected my confidence reading it can you contact the brewery is it a, an independent pub I don't know what they call these days or is it you know some is it uh, owner owned a tithe house thank you very much thank you that's the word I'm looking for because I think you need to go above him I do think it's a woman thing I mean I'd like to know who the other members of the team are and I think it will go to a man if they're, if it's offered I would <coughs> say to him can we have a meeting a proper meeting to get to the bottom of things and maybe tell him that if you don't get I considered for this, you will leave if you get overlooked, but then you have to be prepared to follow through. But I, I do feel that there's something going on here. No, this guy is all the words we can think of and can't say on the radio. Yeah. Uh, because, well, I think two things going on. One, he's being a bit patronising, a bit sexist, da, da, da. But also, he's trying to be the big I am. Like, I don't think you could do this job. Yes, she could. A lot of people could do your job. You know, it's that thing where he's trying to... He is, he's trying to build his part. Well, in a minute, he's going to be in area management where he'll, where he'll be a nobody. So he's making the most yeah. of his kind of, you know, superiority. And I think the other good thing is, Emma, it's not down to him. He's leaving. We don't know that. Well, no, because he's with another company. He's an area manager for another company. So he won't get to... You, you don't get to 
appoint your replacement if you're leaving the company. So I think, Emma, everything you've told us, don't tell us. Tell the brewery. uh, Tell the brewery. Because what what you put down here is incredibly convincing. I'd give you the job. So would I. Just on that paragraph of all, you know, you you lay out all the things you've been doing for the last five years and how you'd be willing to learn. You you have a great rapport with all the locals. You know, always positive feedback. So, yeah, I, I would give you the job unless there is someone with maybe more experience from outside but if if somebody from under you in this pub gets that job i would walk because that's just incredibly rude and you have to kind of put some sort of value on your own skills you do have to put value on yourself and to stay there if that does happen but you know i'm just worried that he this man this sexist man is going to suggest to the brewery or to blah 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 he might oh i would give it to brian because he um has shown great strength of character you know he's if he gives it to another woman, then, you know, our argument is is null and void, perhaps. But I do think he's a bit anti-woman. I, I can't think of any other reason. But also, I want to punch him in the face for being so patronising. <laughs> I'm sorry. There, I said it Emma out loud. Emma can break up the fight in the pub because she's great. She's good at that. She's, she's so deal- good. good at dealing with people. And yeah. then she can pour me a pint. Oh, lovely. She's really good at that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then she do some stock taking. Yeah. Oh, no, that's one And then we gone. have a chat. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's really good at that. Uh, Emma, listen, you... You know what you're good. I like the, I like this letter because she knows exactly why she'll be good at this job. And you've explained it really clearly here. So don't tell us. Tell the people who are appointing this. So apply for the job. Yeah. Don't listen go to him. Above apply, him yeah. Go above him. Bypass him completely. And Emma, I really want to know what happened. So can you get back in touch with if us? If you could. And good luck. Because you deserve Hooray the job. Emma. Yay. <laughs> the response is part two. That's what's happening now. And my favourite responder will again be getting a waitress number one. Steak and red wine pie. It's in a box. Looks delicious. Uh, our second problem was from Emma uh, from Manchester. Now, since her early 20s, she's worked in a pub. And she's done really well there. She started off as a pot washer and then she was a bar staff. Now she's the supervisor. She's the bar supervisor. And she gets on with everyone really well. You know, all the locals. She looks forward to going to work. It's, you know, she's loving it. She's really enjoying it. And she's moved out of her parents' house and it's all good. Now, manager, he's off. He's going to join a different company as an area manager. So Emma immediately went, ooh, I'd like to apply for your job. And he laughed. He thought she was joking. When he realised she was serious, he was very patronising and just kind of went, oh, you know, I think it's a bit beyond you. I don't think you'd be able to do this job. It's so difficult. And she's very, you know, in her in her letter was very clear about all the things she's done and she's covered for him when he's been away and she's absolutely confident she could do it. And, and she feels like she's just been told she's not good enough and she's worried that someone who's beneath her right now is going to leapfrog her into the managerial position. Uh, what do people advise? Mary in Suffolk says, it sounds to me as if Emma's outgoing boss is very insecure and worried about his new job. That's true. Emma should ignore everything he said, yes, and be proactive. Come on, Mary in Suffolk. Emailing the company and expressing her interest in the promotion before it's advertised. It could be that more senior people to the bloke who's leaving are already considering her for the role, and an email full of initiative, such as the one she sent to you, would seal the deal for her. Good luck, Emma. I must say, I'm with you, Mary. I thought her her letter was really, you know, well-written, and she laid out exactly her skills and her experience, and you know, I'm in. 
Uh, Mel's in Essex. Speak to management above this fool and ask what you can do to improve your chances to get this job, such as an online course and job experience like shadowing another manager. Uh, though beware, you love your job and interaction with the customers. The new job may come with less of what you enjoy. Sometimes a step up can be stressful and less fun and more money and responsibility isn't always a good thing. Oh, a li- good little word of warning there for Emma. And you're right. But I think Emma's, Emma sounds smart. She sees what this guy does and she still thinks she'd enjoy it. So, you know, good luck to her. Advice for Emma. Uh, he's clearly a terrible manager and doesn't have the skills for the job. Having said that to you, ask for the job description. Then think about experience you have that matches the skills required. Then ask him where he thinks you fall short. Despite him being unprofessional, still ask advice on how you can gain the experience to get to the next level. Apply for a job anyway. If you don't get it, then it's still a great interview experience for you to take to the next interview. You can do this. Go, girl, says Sam in Chester. Uh, Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to give... The I'm going to give the uh, the steak and red wine pie to Mel and Essex. That's who's getting that. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Hey, in the world, there is a new, really funny sitcom called uh, Ruby Speaking. It is all available to watch on ITVX. And the star and creator of that show, Jade Adams, joins us now. Hello. Hello, Graham. Uh, so this is... now. I... Because, you know, you were stand-up, you've done lots of stuff on telly, a sitcom. That, yeah. it, was that always the dream? Was that always the ambition? Oh, yeah, 100%. As a little girl sat watching Ardon French on Vicar of Dibley, I think I probably looked up to my parents and went, I want a sitcom. <laughs> and not this Christmas. <laughs> maybe not this Christmas, but eventually. And, um, yeah, it's quite... It's a diff- I'm in a difficult period of my life now because people keep saying to me, what are you up to next, Jane? And I'm like... I just feel like being a lead in a film and having a sitcom was two dreams I had. And now I'm like, well, what's next? What do I want? Yeah. What, so, more, do you want? what more do you want from me? This is enough. And uh, But I know. Here's the thing. So, you know, it's answered prayers, isn't it? Because how hard was it kind of putting... Because a sitcom, it's, you know, you need jokes, but there's so much more going on, particularly in your sitcom, because you've got all those characters, you've got a kind of an overriding arc storyline well the really lucky thing I have is a writer for it so I created it with two other women and we've been doing this for eight years so eight years ago we went to a call centre in Wales and we met all these amazing people that do this job that I spent my entire life trying not to do and we go along there and I thought it would be really awkward and actually there was a girl from university there that I went to my drama class my well I wasn't a drama class I'm the only person who's ended up on telly from the course (laughs) but she went there and I thought oh god this is going to be awkward and actually what I realised at that time in our lives she was happier than I was because she had this community of people around her that she she loved and yeah. she was you know she had place in the world whereas I was tr- trying to find my own but we got really inspired by those people us girls we sat around they put me in a hot seat which is a drama school technique where they sit you down and they ask you questions and you stay in character and there's a little clip of that on my Instagram if people want to see it it's, it's quite it's, it's cute and I look young um, <laughs> you are young I am young yeah um, but what was really interesting is it's taken all this time that we sort of gave it to another channel and they were like it's not for us right now and that essentially means you need to be more famous Jade so what did I do Graham you got more famous I got more famous and ITV were like it's time you had your own sitcom got it and what's been really 
really great is just having that length of time. I mean, it is frustrating when you see other people, your peers going on doing things, but actually I feel like I'm in the best position at the moment to really appreciate this, whereas it would have felt much different if it was, I think it was earlier on in my career, but yeah. it's an amazing thing that I've achieved and, and I'm working with these incredible, it's such a very female heavy thing as well. Our crew was very female, um, female director, very Bristolian show. Just that was very important to me because I've watched a lot of uh, Bristol based shows and the accents are a bit dodge, I'll be honest. <laughs> so making this as authentically as possible was important because the show essentially is about, you know, um, you know, authentic relationships. It's quite a hard show to describe at the moment because we've got a lot of comedy dramas going on, lots of heavy themes where the sort of show where uh, we bury those heavy themes in a lot of humour and love and light. Yeah. So. But there's a lot of heart in it, though. It's oh, very, it, there's, there's a lot of sweetness in it, and, and particularly in your character, uh, that kind of relationship she has with the callers. I like the way you see the callers. It's sweet. Yeah, she's yeah. Um, she's basically me, had I not have, like, been jaded by the entertainment industry. <laughs> um, and what I really like about the character is that she's got this, she, you know, she can sing and she's obviously got a skill with people and normally you'd tell a character like that, you need to move to London. And we sort of, as a group, me, Abby and Lucy, we were all like, what happened? What what happens if everyone moves to London to fulfil their dreams? What you know? How who keeps the lights on back home? And that's what these people are doing. These are the people that didn't leave. Yeah. These are the people that are happy where they are. But I'm interested that you because I just as you watching, you know, I just watch it and kind of thought, oh, I guess Jade must have worked in a, in a call centre because so many people have lots of you know out of works whatever. And all all the people dreaming uh, are in call centres, but you never did it. No, I did. Oh, you did do yeah, it. Yeah, no, I did work in a call centre. So 18 years old. I mean, this show could have been about many things because basically Lucy uh, Lumsden, our exec, she said to me uh, eight years ago, she was like, "What jobs have you had?" And I said, "Oh." I've been a door woman. I've worked in Asda on the fish counter. I've, I mean, I've had loads of jobs. I've, wait, I've been a waitress a million. There's a lot of sitcoms. Actually, that's what we could do. It could be Ruby doing lots of things. Yeah. It could be the next one. It could be Ruby fighting <laughs> when you're on a door. Uh, in yeah. the valleys. Yeah. I mean, Ruby I'm... eating. That could be the fish counter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg, Greg. Okay, Graham. What the hell am I doing here? We need to give you an exact credit. Stats. Um, but she said, you know, what have you done? I was like, well, when I was 18, I worked in a call centre and had a best mate called Melons. And that's the truth. My best mate was my supervisor and we used to go to raves and stuff uh, and like, you know, whist- uh, you know, blowing whistles in like, it was it was of a time, but yeah. we um, we had this job and I had to do it for two or three years. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a drama school to get into. I just went and got a job. And I'll be honest with you, I always say it to mates of mine who are having kids and they always want them to get into this place and that place. Like, send them to a job. I'm so with you. You get you have life experience. Yeah. That's why you're such a, a fantastic interviewer because you can relate to the you can you can ask stories that people don't know. Yeah, because you always think with the, your, like parents and kids are going, oh they they can't get this job and you're gonna put them into Pretamonje. You know, there's loads of jobs out there in the service industries. That are, and service industries are where you learn life. As the Beckhams. Uh, 
Yes. They did it to Brooklyn. I'm not sure it worked so effectively in that case, but uh, but, but their hearts were in the right place. They, they, they had the right idea, which is get your kids into like jobs. Also, the, 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 some jobs somewhere because you like you need stories. This you know the, this industry you need a story, you need backstory. I mean, I I moan about it all the time being working class because it's been harder to get into this job than most. But also, I'm sort of grateful for. It because I've got a story, and yeah. th- thus Ruby Speaking was born. And also, you get to enjoy the success that you're having now. Yeah, there you I'm go. sitting and sitting and just enjoying it and looking at the fruits of my labour. So you were very involved in in it all. I mean, particularly the the casting because it's a really the the group of people in the school centre are brilliant. You really believe that they're all there. Yeah, they a week. I got to ha- you know I got a producer credit on the show, which meant that I got to be really involved in it, and in, I was there for every single casting. It was a so one like so we had a, a we cast this girl called Kira Lester, who's a Bristolian girl and actually in 2012 she went to the same school I went to but obviously years after I did yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she won in 2012 at school the Jade Adams Musical Theatre Award at St Mary Redcliffe and Temple School and then lo and behold 10 years later she's in my sitcom and then there's another guy called Dan Hiscox and we did this call out in Bristol to get kids who don't have agents so throw the ladder back down yeah, yeah, yeah. and anyone who doesn't have an agent can come to the open casting and we you know we had like we had, a, we had thousands and thousands of applicants and we whittled it down and I saw 50 people in a day I think it was and and, um, and Dan came in, he's an absolute star. And I, I just, he, he just, he came in, he was really over familiar, which I love. <laughs> so he kept calling me R. Jade and I was like, oh my God, I'm in love with him. And then I was like, well, the question is, can he listen to a director? And as soon as our director started speaking, he was on it. And I was like, this guy's a star. And still, even after him coming in and wowing us, there was still like, we, I, I really pushed for him to come on. And he's actually like, you know, he has the best lines in the show. And uh, tell me this, moving forward, is this your future? Like, or are you are you giving up kind of, you know, the presenting work and all of that sort of stuff? I find it really difficult to do presenting work because you have to be a version of yourself. And then, uh, you know, with with regards to acting, you get to hide behind a character and I still get to retain some of me. But I feel sometimes I'm a bit too real for presenting. There's a sort of edifice <laughs> that you have to, like, you know, I have really true and real reactions to things. And I, some like, you know, Strictly Come Dancing, when I was on that show, they... You know, like, I, I obviously I did the week about my sister having died and I'm like sobbing. It's like so true and so real. Yeah. And I com- keep completely forget in moments that I need to like pull back from it. So maybe that comes from experience. But I also love and I've done it ever since I was a little girl. I love pretending to be other people. It's all I've ever done. It's how I found who I was from just pretense. And I also have I've got my own story that I want to write and uh, I, I'll, I'll be performing in that um, in that show and I'm in the processes of writing it and it's my sort of opus to my childhood because I did freestyle disco dancing as a kid yeah. and there, there needs to be a series written about it because it is the most culturally breft form of dance known to man but <laughs> thousands of children do it and there's all these intense working class mums who are living their lives through their children that just needs to be put on telly so there's that but I meant to ask you earlier so the the like your friends like Melons from the call centre have they seen the show have yeah they, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they love it. So Melons, the character Melons is nothing like my... Oh, okay. Like my best friend. We just used the name because we loved it. But they're all, you know, people from my past are really chuffed for me. I mean, it's the thing, I moved back to Bristol because it's a really easy place to live when you're sort of well-known because people are dead respectful, <laughs> but they're like, you come up to you and you're like, I just need to tell you, I think you're a legend. And then they go. Yeah. There's a really like... And I and I've gone back home and I'm living there now and the city's really proud. As soon as I um as soon as I moved back, they made me. I mean, I'd always wanted it, but they made me Bristol's coolest person. I beat Banksy in my pajama. <laughs> <laughs> Bristol Evening Post made that happen. Maya's furious. Furious, babes. <laughs> Livid. <it. laughs> and tell me this in terms of you know you're trajectory of your career you know you were do- doing well in the stand-up and then you started getting bits of telly what what did strictly do did it did that just like catapult you into a different level or i i mean yeah i'm I, it's a really tricky thing because there were so many i had an well i do have an amazon prime special that did really well yeah so i had like two over 200 million views on that wow. and um filmed it at the bloomsbury theaters available on amazon prime if you want to go and see it serious black jumper and i had that and then there was all these little things so i think it was part it was a, a puzzle piece of, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. of a bigger thing but of course it, it firmly cemented me as a bit of a household name but I got Ruby speaking before Strictly Come Dancing they okay. um, I, 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 but obviously it's done I so wouldn't have bothered doing Strictly Come Dancing <laughs> well <laughs> I've got the sitcom okay cancel cancel the dancing I looked at the diary and there was a gap and I went yeah alright let's do it and also there was do you know what was interesting it was really interesting when I came out which was like five weeks in because I couldn't have carried on because I was in pre-production oh wow handy yeah often really people, handy often people want to get out because they've signed to a panto <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't think I'd be in it this long oh, when the final god I'm just like widow twanky in an hour <laughs> Uh, uh, Ruby Speaking Ruby Speaking the name of the show uh, all episodes available to watch now on ITVX and we hope there's going to be a season two uh, from my lips to God's ears well thank you very much Graham and you can also watch it on ITV2 after Love Island every Tuesday for the Maya next five weeks Maya can't Not she Maya. still can't look at you <laughs> it's a Bristol takeover of she can't look at me yeah. she stays away from me now yeah that cool woman why you are a cool like Congratulations on everything, Jade. Thanks, Graham. And, uh, thanks that. for schlepping into seas. Are you spending the rest of the day in London having I'm, a nice time? I'm going to go and meet Jack Rook of Big Boys. Oh, uh, give him my love. I will. Oh. We're, we're going to go and have dinner because he's absolutely smashed it and uh, we, we just need to hang out with each other because um, both of us come from similar backga- backgrounds, have had trauma in our lives and now it's just nice to sort of sit and smell the roses together. Yeah, I haven't seen season two yet. But oh, I'm my God, for, I know, I know, ha- oh my God, Graham. I know. That's what I hear. You have to, oh my god, it's 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 incredible. It's a beautiful. It's it's just gonna. I I mean, I'll say it. Now, I think it's gonna sweep up. It's incredible. Ooh, that very generous of you. I very mean, you'll hate me saying this, but it is a. I I just I just binged the whole two, um, whole of season two, and it is an absolutely stunning piece of work. Weirdly, you're the second person who's told me that this morning. 
<laughs> well, look, I, I hope it's massively successful because he really deserves it. He's, he's, you know, he's worked hard as Jack. Oh, well, I really want to see it. Uh, Jade Adams, go have a lovely time in London. I Enjoy will. the big smoke. If you're not too cool for it, I don't know. Maya. Still to come, Angela Griffin pops in to tell me about the new season of Waterloo Road. But first, ding, ding, it's show chef Martha. Hello, how are you? Good morning, Graham. I'm well, thank you. Very good. Nice to see you. And what is that delicious aroma in the air? It smells so good. Oh, oh thank you. These are some Indo-Burmese coconut chicken and noodle bowls. That sounds like the recipe. <laughs> The whole recipe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you will need Indo-Burmese coconut chicken and noodle bowls. <laughs> no, it smells. What is? What am I smelling? What is the over? What is that overpowering? It's it's very heavy on uh, ginger, garlic, coconut, oh. and lots of lovely spice blends. Good for your immune system. I know, lots of turmeric as well. I feel like I was playing dodge the turmeric in the kitchen today. <laughs> like, You've done very well. Don't got two tiny splashes. Oh, no, oh, you look pristine. The whites have been written off. <laughs> <laughs> you look pristine. And is this a, it's what, what is this now, a brunchy, lunchy thing? I would say it's a, a really good lunchy thing, or a dinnery thing, to be fair, because you can kind of basically... Put Put it into a much bigger bowl and keep garnishing with nice things like eggs and crispy onions. And... Yes, because I see you've got it. You've got something in the bowls, and then you've got another plate with other stuff on it. Yes. Well, I thought you might want to dress your own noodles, <laughs> so I have Self, delivered self-dressing noodles. Okay. <laughs> but I thought equally, I needed to do some of my job and assemble a couple, so I've done a few for you. Oh, okay. But if you want an extra egg or a bit more chili, then. Be my guest. Thank you. And what's in the uh, what's in the jar? So the jar is a Waitrose Cooks Ingredients product, which is a chili and garlic sauce, and it's so delicious. That sounds gorgeous. It's really nice. It's really sticky. It's a little bit sweet, and it's almost like a chili oil. So you can just drizzle it over the top of things, and that's what's been kind of put onto the top of the noodley dish. So it's a good one. This kind of recipe for people who are maybe a little fussy. So you just in the bowl, <laughs> you just put the curry and the noodles, and then they can add whatever they want on top. People yeah. don't like coriander. People are funny. About that, oh, so that goes on the side. Apparently, it's a, ge- it's a genetic thing. Apparently, not liking coriander. I know you can't hate people for a genetic thing, can you? But, yeah. You know. Apparently, <laughs> some people it tastes like soap. Yeah, I have heard that. I'd yeah. be really sad to be fair because it's delicious. If I, you think like it's, it. I think it's lovely. <laughs> yeah. Get a, and also, you know, some soap is nice. So. <laughs> some soap is delicious. What are you complaining about? Yeah, it's you really, really, really soap nice. on their really, really nice. noodles. <laughs> and the, the noodles, are they special noodles or? They're not particularly special noodles. They're just medium egg noodles. So not too, not thick udon ones, but not the really fine kind of angel hair ones. Just in the middle. You run of the mill, dried noodles that get warmed up and then the sauce kind of soaks into them a little bit. So they become really flavoursome. Okay, well done. This is such, uh, yeah. It's a it, that could be your dinner because it's it's got proper depth and real kind of winter warmth in it. It's gorgeous. Mm, it's got a bit of body to it. It's got mm. some lentils that have been snuck into the sauce for a little extra protein hit, but also to give it a bit more texture. And it's not one of those really light January broths where no. you just <laughs> you yeah. just have seaweed broth and you're going to be hungry for the rest of the day. No, this will fill you <laughs> up. Uh, sure. I must know how to make it. I want to know how to make it. How, what, what 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 do we do? Go go go. Well, We're going to start with onions, two onions, slice them nice and finely. Then they go into a really big pan because we're adding lots of things into this pan. So start with a big one. One of those kind of La Creuset casserole dishes actually would be perfect or something like this. Your onions go in five minutes to get themselves nice and just starting to soften and become a little bit caramelised. Then we are adding in ginger, which you want to grate or mince. But grating, I find, is probably easiest. Not on one of those big box graters, but if you've got one of those little... 
microplane-y thingies. So, I'm so great for garlic as well. Yes, exactly. And then yeah. the garlic. Is it new? So the ginger gets grated first, then the garlic. That goes in with your onions, mix it together, and it starts to become lovely and fragrant. Then we're going in with our spices. So you want a teaspoon of ground turmeric. And then I think the secret to the flavour of this curry is in the Waitrose Vaduvian Spice Blend, which isn't one that you hear very often. No, I've had never before. Exactly. And it's Vaduvian. I'm I'm not entirely sure if I'm pronouncing that entirely correctly, but that's what I've gone for. Okay, is that a place or a, a what is it? Vidu- it is, I believe. It. I don't actually know if it's a place. I should Sorry, it's not. It's not a quiz. It's not a quiz, Martha. <laughs> but I know no, what's that- in it. <laughs> <laughs> I know what's in it. I'm guessing because this is Indo Burmese. It's from that kind of region. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's full of dried onion, sugar. It's got kind of garlic in there as well. So it's got all of those lovely kind of savoury flavours mm. mixed in with the fenugreek powder, cumin, a bit of chilli, bit of coriander. It's one of those spice mixes where you get your money's worth because it's yeah. got so many things in there. You know, when you buy some and it's like two ingredients, yeah, you know, I, I could have done that. Yeah, Cinnamon yeah. sugar, I could have made that. <laughs> but this one, it will take you a while to make. Yeah. So it's a really good edit. Yeah, it's just got, it's not too hot, but it's got really lovely savoury depth mm, to it. Lovely. So that's getting added in. Make sure you mix that really well until it's nice and fragrant. Then we are adding some lentils and some water and then a kilogram of chicken. So we want thigh on the bone, and the bones are quite important here because they add that depth to your sauce. So the thighs go in on their bones, cover them with water, and then simmer it for 40 minutes. So all of those flavours start to mingle together. Yeah. Then once your 40 minutes is up, take the chicken out, remove the skin and the bones and shred it with two forks. Then put it back in, adding some coconut milk, one of those really rich cans where you get all that lovely coconut cream in there. Full fat, full Full, fat. Oh, yes. We're not skimping on anything here. And then in a separate bowl, you want to cook, not a bowl, a separate pan. You want to cook your noodles until they are a little al dente. And then I recommend putting the noodles into the bowls that you're going to serve it in and then ladling over the broth because I didn't do that. And it was, it was like, you know, you're in the splash zone. Poor Christian, who was filming it, was <laughs> having to stand at arm's length because the noodles were going everywhere. So noodles in the bowls first, then add your broth. <laughs> OK, so then you add the broth that has all the chicken and the everything in it. Exactly. And then uh, the extra. So you've, you've gone with uh, uh, boiled eggs. Yep, so we've gone with boiled eggs. I've gone with hard-boiled eggs, but you can do those soft-boiled ones with a little runny in the middle, bit of coriander, nice bit of freshness on the top. Then you could use crispy garlic. I've got Cook's Ingredients crispy onions. Again, super simple. You Lovely. just open up the little pot and they're already And then your little jar of whatever it's called. Of the chilli and garlic sauce. It's so delicious. Honestly, I, I, you know... I do sometimes make these recipes, and this is one I think I'll be making. Well, that is an accolade indeed. (laughs) No, really, really delicious. That sauce is gorgeous. If you'd like that full recipe yourself, you can go to waitrose.com slash showchef and you get it there, or you can see the visuals of it at Virgin Radio UK. Uh, I will talk to you tomorrow, Martha. Yes. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Thank you, will do. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Here comes Angela Griffin. One of our favourites. Hello, oh, hello, my love. Here she comes. Here she is. Yeah. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me in on, on a Saturday afternoon. Oh, Very no, kind of you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. At Waterloo Road. Yeah. Waterloo Road. I know. On it goes. It is back and as popular as ever. It really, really is. I mean, it's series thirteen. I think that's yes, that's going right. out yeah, now. Yeah, We've got episode three that'll be coming out on Tuesday at eight o'clock. But obviously, it's all there on the iPlayer, and it is just being binged. It is being binged. So on message, Angela Griffiths. <laughs> So on it. 
Some, uh, some guests come on here, they don't know what they've made, they don't know where it can be seen. You're all over it. All so, over. Uh, so, Kim, head teacher. Yes. Head teacher. And uh, I guess the big takeaways are that she's she's found some love oh she's found I mean it's about time it's about time so Andrew Treneman who was in the original OG Waterloo Road that was (laughs) 17 (laughs) it was in black and white it was uh, 17 years ago 18 years ago it first started on TV I know I know I know I know it's awful but yeah Kim Campbell Andrew Treneman or Candrew as they were known then they never quite got it together but this series it looks like after all these years they finally found each other ah that love Oh, do you know ah, what? that's lovely. It's really nice, and it, and the fans <laughs> of Waterloo Road are really, really enjoying it. I think if you Google Candrew, there's all sorts of things that they've made up. And what's happening at Waterloo? Do, have you? Is the other Scottish years now forgotten? Yes, they they've are. just been written out of history. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if you do a deep dive into uh, into the iPlay, you'll find them somewhere. Oh, no, no. But, what I mean but, is, like, but, but in yes. the storyline, story no one line, would, no one would mention. Remember when ever. we were in Scotland? No, no one no. ever, ever, ever mentions. It's like it did never happen. Yes. Yeah, we're back in Manchester, which for me personally, I think it always well, should have the, stayed. The clues in the address. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Number one, Waterloo Road. <laughs> Although we have changed schools, in fairness. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh no, we haven't changed schools. We're thinking about changing schools. Uh, spoiler: They changed schools. <laughs> well, no. In this series, there's this whole talk about um, an academy. Yes, you're trying to join the academy, yeah. and and your lover is, is head of the yeah, thing. He's yes. the head. So, will he convince her? Well, I might have just given that away. <laughs> But you know, knowing Waterloo Road, you'll you'll opt out again. Yeah, yeah there we go. Grand. Exactly. Um, and it's interesting that you've gone big on. Are they called refusers? The refusers, yeah. And actually, they've been in the so news this, quite this, recently. So this is a real thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. Um, especially since COVID, you know, there's a load of kids that have not come back to school since since they weren't at school for COVID, and it's really hard to get them back in. And they don't come back for many reasons: home problems. Um, there is just general naughtiness, but generally, there's there's a deeper issue behind why they don't come to school, don't want to come to school, bullying and so on. So uh, in this series, Kim has decided to bring about 13 of these uh, refusers back into school and they really do cause mayhem, really. But Kim always wants to do the right thing. Um, Danny um, uh, Lewis, who was a really big part of the last series, unfortunately does not make it into this series and and that really weighs heavily on Kim so she does what Kim does best and tries to save as many other people as she possibly can do but it's yeah there's a lot of conflict going on and this idea you know things like refusers things like uh, becoming an academy things like that is it really kind of important to the writers that they reflect what's going on in schools in the show yeah definitely I mean no matter what it's an entertainment show but it's also got there are also messages with Waterloo Road which is why I think it's such an important show why it's so fantastic that it came back it is in the news about getting kids back into school um it's so so important that there is some kind of order to people's to to young people's lives that will help them going forward so yeah it's really important that we reflect the issues of the day and uh, if people learned how to read uh, at the end of the show uh, they might see directed by (gasps) I know 
Angela Griffin, it's That's the One That Comes On on Tuesday. Yeah, two episodes. They let me do it. I've always, 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 always wanted to direct and never quite known how to get into it, whether it was a world for me. And then um, Waterloo Road, behind the scenes, is all about um, helping people move forward, giving people a leg up, people who wouldn't ordinarily. And they took a chance on me. And yeah, I directed episodes three and four of this current series. And um, and I'm also right now, this very minute, directing another block. So I must have done all right, because they've let me come back. And when you say directing, I mean, obviously you're on set and you're yeah. talking to the actors and you're doing all of that. Yeah. But then do you, in telly, does that director go into the edit with the episode? Yeah, yeah. So you're definitely. all over that. Yeah. And, yeah. So I have the prep, um, uh, the prep, and then I have the shoot and then and then I have the edit. The edit was the bit that I'd never done before as an actor. Yeah. Um, so that was like this whole magic art. But and did um, you like it? Did you enjoy I it? I loved it. Ooh, eyes light up. Well, because... All of a sudden you realise that that's also where the show is made. You might think that you've missed things on the day and the story maybe doesn't quite work once you get in there. And it's amazing what you can do just by moving a scene around, by tightening up a little gap, by putting music over it, um, by taking away lines. It's you can you can almost create a whole different show in the edit. It's yeah. it's very underrated. And ruin lives. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but you can you make joke, some... your joke just it didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> but you can really make some performance. Um, fly it's it's incredible it's incredible love it love it yeah I didn't get any close-ups Angela no you didn't but but that's fine anyway back to yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit like that at the moment I've got to say I'm, because I'm right in the middle of it all because I, I love Kim Campbell and I love the character but I know her inside out and it's you know I do feel like I could kind of do it in my sleep whereas it is like I've just had this whole kind of injection of a new energy to to come and and, and direct where it's so it feels so much more creative it's much more different and I, I like a challenge. But also, what I love about your story is because you started so young. What were you, 16, 16 on yeah, Corrie? Yeah. So now you're directing kids. Yeah. Like, are there, like, like you must have so much you want to tell them. So yeah. much you've got to go, don't do this, do do this. That's ex- a hundred percent. That's exactly what it's like. And I really, and they want to ask me as well, especially with Waterloo Road. They're, they're mainly Northern kids, working class kids. They haven't gone to drama school yet. They haven't, you know, been on the London scene. So they're really fresh to it. And that's, that's what I was. Yeah. So when they're kind of coming on and asking advice about various things, it's like, I want to give them that. I didn't have that. I didn't have anyone to ask. I didn't have anyone, you know, I, I had Julie Goodyear. I had Bette Gilroy <laughs> and Rita Fairclough. And uh, they weren't necessarily dishing out advice yeah. to little... Try like, menthol. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think I did as well. I did smoke that. Um, but yeah, there wasn't kind of anyone there to ask. So I I am really happy to take the mantle of, of being the advisor. I've definitely got older. That's quite incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I, I love giving out advice. I but that's love... good. But it's a kind of lovely thing that you're able to do. Yeah, and I really, I really enjoy it. And and it's it's so amazing watching them grow when they first come onto set. And some of them they've never been on a set yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've gone to like a little acting class when they were younger, or doing it on a Saturday morning, and then they come onto it. It is a professional set, and they're treated as professionals. And what is the number one bit of advice? What's oh, the what's the what's just the just know your lines, know your lines. It, it's it's amazing how many It does people... seem quite basic, that piece of advice. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? But you would be surprised at how many people turn up on set and they're not quite sure of what their lines are. So know your lines, number one rule, and be on time. Do not be late. 
because it wrecks the whole entire day. So don't be late in the car in the morning. Don't be late into makeup. Don't be late onto set. And, and where does that bad behaviour come from? Because I often feel like bad behaviour on on set is kind of rewarded. People um, kind of think, oh, you're you're creative and artistic because yeah, you can't be on time. I think it, that might have been the case. I don't know if it necessarily is the case now, but, I mean, we all know of the naughty actors. We all know the ones that are... Um, oh, yeah. oh, I love that face. Yeah, we all know about them. I don't... Well, certainly not on our set. It really isn't rewarded. Not on the Miss Griffin's watch. <laughs> oh, no, I'm like the proper... A grump, partner. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I don't think it's rewarded as much now as what it used to be. It's, yeah. it's too. It's too competitive. There's too many other people out there who can be on time and aren't pains. And when did you get the call that Waterloo Road? Because presumably you thought Waterloo Road. That's well, that's yeah. done dusted. I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. Well, well I did, think... like. Did, was the call out of the blue or did you hear rumblings? No, no, no. It was properly out of the, uh, the blue. Cameron Roach, he was the um, uh, exec producer back in the day, but then he went to Sky and he was um, a, a commissioner there. Literally gave me a phone call, said, do you want to go for coffee? We're thinking about resurrecting it and we'd like to we'd like to give uh, old Kim a promotion. And uh, and I found the idea of Kim, who was used to be the pastoral care teacher, becoming a head teacher, which would not be her natural path, really quite exciting. So, yeah, it... Um, it all turned around in about four or five months. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's been a really, really warm welcome. It and has such a sudden, warm welcome. And also, year olds and 16-year-olds know who I am now as well. <laughs> but also, I love that it's opened this door for you and yeah. now uh, directing is in yeah. your future. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Good. hopefully. Well, it is. I mean, yeah. you're doing it right I'm now. I'm doing it, yeah, I suppose yeah. I'm doing you're it. You're doing yes. it, you're doing it. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Waterloo Road, uh, Series 13. It continues Tuesdays at 8 o'clock on BBC One. And of course, all episodes are available on BBC iPlayer. Get into it, because we know there's a lot more coming because uh, Angela's directing it right now enjoy the rest of your Saturday thank you very much for coming in to see us thanks so much for listening today you can catch me every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 on Virgin Radio follow us on all our socials to keep up to date and make sure you check out our YouTube channel too just look up at Virgin Radio UK and you'll find loads of great interviews and live sessions until next time the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose food to feel good about Virgin Radio